Well, hello there, everyone. Gosh, it's so good to say that again. I'm Coach Megan, and you're listening to Season 2 of the Powerhouse Podcast. We've taken a short little hiatus for the new year, and now we are back, and might I say, better than ever. If you didn't listen to our first quick episode, which was episode number 44, I'm pretty sure it takes like two and a half minutes long on one and a half speed, which is what I always listen to things on. And you can get all the updates of what we've been up to around here in that episode. But for now, I'm so excited for you to listen to the first full-length episode today with my dear friend and beautiful sister, Miss Philippa. She is an all-star mom, wife, and fighter against human trafficking, not to mention also an author, a film writer, and taking the world by storm alongside her amazing husband as well, might I say. I was honored to interview her back in late 2019 for this very episode, and I know you guys are going to be so blessed by it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this powerful dialogue with Philippa and I. Like I said, this is episode number 44. I am so excited to have a special guest on the podcast today. She is an incredible mother and wife and filmmaker, writer. I am obsessed with her devotional. I've been reading it every single day. And so we are so excited for this Christmas Eve edition to welcome our very, very special guest, Philippa. And we would love for you to just introduce yourself for a second and tell us a little bit about yourself. So thank you for being on the Powerhouse Podcast. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me. It's absolutely been such a blessing to meet you and get to know you and listen to your podcast. It's, um, you have so much to share and it's, it's really, really uplifted me and encouraged me too. So thank you. Um, I am a writer, filmmaker. Um, a lot of the projects we focus on are very socially conscious and, um, know about God too so we want to transform culture through uplifting entertainment and I believe um, my calling is to do that through through stories through film and writing so I want people to know who they are and to walk in that and I believe that'll transform culture yeah and she is so modest you guys for those of you guys listening she and her husband go all over the country all over the world they have produced some incredible films Um, raising awareness and shedding light on just the issues with human trafficking and um, just reading her book. It's incredible. It's a 30 day devotional, right? Um, And it's just about women of power and influence. And for those of you guys who've been listening to me for a long time, obviously I am obsessed with that. And there just aren't enough women in the world who are really representing that um, wholeheartedly in, in a nature that isn't um, isn't polarizing in a way that's destructive, but is polarizing in a way that can actually bring life and clarity. And so um, I'd love for you to just kind of start off by um, telling us how you started as a writer. I know that you grew up in Nashville. When she and I met, for those of you guys listening, we kind of bonded over that. I was like, no way, I lived in Nashville for five years and in the entertainment industry. So how did you get started with film and writing and entertainment in the first place? Well, I... I'm so blessed to have kind of been born into it in a way. My mother was actually a Miss Tennessee and she competed in Miss USA. She was in the semifinals. And so, and I have a godmother that was a pageant coach as well, who's a current um, U.S. Senator. So I was really just, my parents met at a modeling job. My mom started an agency the year I was born. So that part of it, I really was, was born into and trained into early but I was also a competitive track and field athlete so I we'd go on these track trips and listen to audio books of Chronicles of Narnia and Frank Peretti um, this present darkness and just I fell in love with books as soon as I could read and I just I read every Nancy Drew novel and like just um, everything I can get my hands on with C.S. Lewis and I just, I loved it. And I, I would start stories, but I never really finished them. Track kind of took a huge priority, track and modeling and acting. I did a lot of training in that. I actually tried pageants, um, but my, something I'm passionate about is, (laughs) um, I believe God has a unique design for everyone. And I tried to fit into my mom's shoes. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Cinderella's, grim fairy tale version where 
the stepsisters are literally trying to, they cut their toes off and their heels off to fit into the shoe. And I feel like I did that personally, trying to fit into somebody else's shoe. And I feel like a lot of us do that too. And But God has a perfect mold, a perfect plan for each person. And it just took me a little bit to get there and figure it out because I was good at a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really what I was called to and what I loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is such a word. I just I'm like, oh my gosh, wow! All of my girls need to hear that. We we um, I deal with that a lot. We just had an inner circle call last night, and we're even talking about that and the comparison factor, figuring out your life's purpose, and figuring out what happens after pageant. So, as you were navigating like all those different things, you know, kind of a jack of all trades. How did what you're doing now end up surfacing to the top when you were, you know, you could have chosen a, a number of things, acting, modeling, all these things that you ended up not going into, you know, long term? Well, I tried them. Um, my, my personality is I'm super sensitive, hmm. which is hard in a competitive environment. So I'm not competitive. I'm super sensitive. So <laughs> that. I was, it was really not a good setup, um, honestly, and it drove me to a lot of depression, really, is kind of where it went to, because I tried really, really hard, um, and it's just not, not who I am. So I have a prayer that I've been praying as long as I can remember, and it is, Lord, help me fulfill your will no matter what it is. And I think since I had that prayer, when I couldn't step out of different avenues god shut the door for me and um, i ended up i had a collegiate scholarship for track and field i was nationally ranked um, in high school but i was just done emotionally physically mentally my body everything was done and i couldn't get healthy and i was in this place where they were going to take my scholarship away and it was just like it was a lot of stuff going on um, but god was gracious enough. He gave me some dreams at the time. I've always been, I see things. God shows me visions and shows me things. And I think it's part of writing. So when I write stories, like I'll see images and I'll hear dialogue. That's just how I think. Um, But I had a few dreams where God was literally showing me that I would leave this, um, that he was opening another door to do something else to help people, but it wasn't in track. It wasn't at that school. So it was a painful process, but I was, I was done. Um, so I had, and it, I also had a verbally abusive coach like that threatened um, my parents. It was, it was a lot, but I, I had that prayer and I kept seeking God. And during that time, it's actually when I met Yaku, I'll come back to that. But I, I was praying to God because that door was shut and I was really thankful but I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know who I was. And I just kept praying about it. Lord, like, please show me who I am. Show me what I'm supposed to do. And I remember I was driving and it was clear as clear as day. And I never heard his voice before like this that I recall. And I'm praying and he brings to mind my mother's friend, who is also a model and a pageant girl. But she had started writing as well. She's more introverted and created. And she had a project she'd asked me to draw for. I was also an artist. And he brought this project to my mind and he said, help her finish it. It's like all he said, (laughs) help her finish it. And I was 20 and she's, you know, mid forties. And I don't know her that well. She's a friend of my mother's, but I did reach out to her and I told her um, what I've been praying about, what I heard. And she was gracious enough to let me, start writing with her and I literally just came under her and learned and helped her because script format is a lot different than novels too Mm. so I had to learn the whole formats and um but 10 years later we ended up working on a project that was nominated for a Dove Award so God didn't give me like this big clear end goal picture at first he gave me some steps and I was faithful in those steps and he provided and showed the way I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, that's incredible. One of my life goals is to win a Dove Award. So that's like, that's like big on the list for me. Um, one of my good mm-hmm. friends, who was my Miss Mississippi six years ago, the same year as me, 
Um, I don't know if she won one, but Jasmine Murray, you've probably heard of her, but she's, um, she's a good friend of mine. So it's been awesome to watch her be successful over the years and just see what God does with faithful people. But my next question that I'm, I'm just genuinely curious about, and that's what I, I love how you even just speak like such an artist, you, even the, the tone and the pacing of the way that you speak is so creative and artistic and beautiful it's just like I like get emotional about that kind of stuff because that's who I am as a as a writer and an artist too so it's just cool like a kindred spirit kind of way but I think back to even just I've read actually quite quite a bit of your devotional I'll just sit down and read like 30 pages of it at once because it's just so awesome to hear from inspiring women who have who have walked through this um so I'm curious for you like what was the inspiration of kind of choosing that lane for your devotional and why do you think that so many women don't operate in their power and their influence and just stay stuck for a long period of time? It's a great question. Um, for me personally, woman of influence was a really personal, um, important thing because I grew up feeling like I had no influence, like I was not important. Wow. And I think a lot of us have that to some degree. And there's a lot of reasons I think that happens. Um, for me, I didn't have an identity really. I was trying to fit into somebody's shoe. Mm -hmm. So that was probably one of the big root issues for me and feeling like I didn't matter. Um, my husband was hugely important in helping me understand when I don't show up to places, um, people miss out on what God's put in me and what I might have to say. And that I needed that little guilt trip because I could personally take my own self-pity and be like, nobody will miss me, um, especially growing up. Um, so that was hugely important to me. And I think why people need to understand that they do have influence. There's a reason you woke up in the morning. There's a reason God created you. And it might not be this huge you have a hundred thousand Instagram followers, but you have influence in your home and with every person that you come in contact with. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really understanding that and grabbing hold of that was really important to me. Wow. I just wrote that down because I'm so going to quote that later. Like <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're done. That's just ridiculous. That is so amazing. And I think that man, if people would just remind themselves of that every day, like I could cry right now. It's just, I deal with this every day and I'm sure that you do too. And, and once you've kind of had that, um, that revelation, you know, you start to see it everywhere where you just see it on people that like sense of worthlessness or unworthiness. And so I, I would love to just kind of hear how you went from that place of feeling, you know, maybe losing a track scholarship or God changing the plan for your life and not knowing completely what's ahead to meeting your husband and then how you guys started to build the influence and the platform that you guys have that is so you know awesome now like what was that process like we've been starting well i am a, <laughs> i think i'm a strong stubborn person <laughs> so i worked really hard at trying to be perfect and trying to have everything together until i just couldn't do it anymore i got to a place where i was just rock bottom, depressed, couldn't get out of bed any, in the morning, and depression runs in my family. This wasn't, um, but I hit it very well, like nobody knew. Um, I like to tell people I really am a great actor because you didn't know <laughs> that was going on. But um, I got to the place where I didn't want this to become my life, and I knew I needed help. So that was huge for me to admit you know, this is not okay, I need help. And I started, um, I reached out to some biblically-based counselors and just started kind of unraveling the different lies I had believed, trauma in my life, sin, um, willful sin, word curses, generational things like depression. So I had to start breaking off things and I really kind of had to start rebuilding and discovering who I am. It was a I like to say growth is intentional. Right? You can you can either grow or you can give up. Um, and I was not going to give up. I was like, I've always had this, I want to change the world thing, but I had to change myself first. <laughs> um, so that was, that was a huge pivotal moment. And I've just been um, 
I keep doing that. Yaku, my husband, says I'm, I'm a re relentless, I still have that perfectionism thing going on, but I, I want to keep growing. I want to root out any fear or anything that still hinders me um, from moving forward and from being who God calls me to be. So yeah. still a process. I like to tell people I'm not where I want to be, but I'm a million miles from where I've been. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's just a timely word. Um, for me, even God's really been working on my heart in that like immensely where I'm just like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to bring anything into 2020 that I don't want to bring into 2020. And um, there's obviously huge significance even in just the turning of a decade, you know, more so than just the turning of a year. Um, and, and I think also it's been kind of a slap in the face because I'm like, you know what, why does it take the turning of a decade and the turning of a year for me to feel this way when I can make this decision? Mm -hmm to root out these things and, and self-motivate, you know, myself at, at all times. Um, but it's a really beautiful process when, you know, I heard it said just the other day, it's even like a healthy fear of the Lord, which doesn't obviously mean being afraid of him, but just like, mm -hmm. I want to be pure because you're the one who's going to take me to that next level of engaging with me and what that destiny is, what that next step is anyway, providing those connections, you know, allowing me to have clarity in what should be a yes and what should be a no that, you know, like the willful sin, like you talked about, or just the wrong people in your life or these different things is the thing that's going to hinder you from that in the first place. And so I 100% agree with that because I'm walking through that on my own life right now too. It's a process. I, I mean, we're not going to be perfect this side of heaven. So there's, there's always going to be things we can work on and grow in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you obviously have a million things going on. You are a mother, you're a filmmaker, you're a writer, you've produced books, you and your husband travel, and you know you have three kids now too. So I would love for you to share a little bit behind the curtain of how in the world you tackle it all, like whether it's just time management or prayer or whatever your tips and tricks are. So many of my audience is full of just powerhouse women who are go-getters, who love the Lord and are walking the best that they know how to figure everything out. And so you even just being a few years ahead of us is such a blessing. And I'd love for you to give us some insight, even for me on how you do all of it. Um, lots of prayer, I think is a good, a good way to start. I had some great examples though. My, my mother, she started her agency and she had a training school and an agency the year I was born. She started her own another business she homeschooled three kids so I saw it modeled and so I saw that you can do it um she's a she was a great example for me and then I had my godmother too um prayer but I'm I'm learning so much more about myself I'm learning to set boundaries with my time with my emotions and I'm trying to be more intentional with with focus and scheduling okay I have my kids right now this this is my time with my kids. I need to pour into my kids right now. Mm -hmm. Or this is when my husband's home. I need to pour into him and spend time with him. Mm -hmm. I maximize nap times and sleep time. Uh, that's been huge. And, and they have a, a great school program that pours into them. Um, so I'm just trying to maximize my time as much as I can and be more organized. It's definitely a learning process. Mm -hmm. And I have... I have help too. So that, that makes a difference. Yeah. That's awesome. So being somebody that is an achiever in terms of you have all these goals and dreams and you have accomplished a lot and you and your husband together, what has that process and that journey been like over the years of ensuring that your identity doesn't become what you do, but it's separate. Like who you are is not what you do. I get that question all the time. And I see that that is a very easy pitfall to fall into because when you're a creative specifically, it's just like, you're always thinking about what you're doing. You're always inspired. You're always writing things down. You know, I have 8,000 papers on my desk. I'm always reading five books at once. How have you learned to solidify that who you are is different than what you do? Well, that's a great question. I think, yeah, you have to come back to identity first. I think that was a major issue for me with growing up and with track is, hey, I wasn't a competitive track athlete. And then when you lose that, it's like, oh. Um, so that's the first thing you've got to build. Know who you are. And I think it's very important for me. It was knowing I was a child of God. 
and praying and believing in that relationship first. Um, you know, I have my husband, I have, I have these relationships, those kind of identity marks, knowing who I am. Like I'm a creative, no matter where I'm going to go, no matter what I do, I I'm sensitive, no matter where I go, who I do, um, what I do. So it's, those kind of things are identity based. And then what we do is more seasonal, I think is another way to look at it. So we have different projects. For example, um, we created a feature film called Eight Days to bring awareness to um, what sex trafficking of minors looks like in the United States. And that was a, that was a project, that was a season. We still fight trafficking but we're creating other projects and books. And so it's, I think I'm, I don't think I'll ever be able to stop doing it because it is part of who I am, but it may look different or be in different spaces. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And I think it's hard sometimes as women because we can't compartmentalize things like men can. So it can be difficult to not just like be in our creator box and then be in our mom box and then be in our, you know, wife box. It, it's everything. I was just having this conversation. Yeah. This morning. It's like everything is everything where you never know where one thing is going to remind you of 50 other things. And then you're crying and you're like, why am I feeling this way? <laughs> that literally happened to me recently. And I'm like, Megan, get your act together. Like, what are you doing? You know, and it, it's, it's hard, but I think that's where, you know, I'm even grateful that I get to interview and, and be friends with people like you and Katie, you know, and, and just individuals who inspire me, who are ahead of me in so many ways, because it can be hard. And I think a lot of times, um, the women in my life that I get to coach, you know, they're just a little bit behind where I am. And so it's just this beautiful process of where I think when we can lean into mentorship and lean into not being afraid to be vulnerable in those respects, or maybe you weren't raised with the best family or you have walked through some trauma in your life. Like even just having that one person that you can call that you know has your back and, and can tell you like, hey, I know that you got to see on this test, but like your identity has not changed and how amazing is that um, is yeah. so important to have. And I just think in society, like, you know, unless you were raised in a, in a church that was okay with emotions and vulnerability, um, or maybe no church at all. Like you either get what the world says about that, or you really just don't have a process of even knowing how to engage emotionally through what you just need to learn how to process. And that's unfortunate, you know? That is so wise. And that's been something I'm still obviously learning too, is because I am so sensitive and it wasn't okay to express those emotions, especially not in a, um, a public capacity. But yeah, my personality type is like, Jeremiah weeping prophet and I'm like this is not socially okay right now so I, I developed my um I have a very strong mental capacity and that I would just like try and reason my way out or I would avoid and guard and that was it's bad God made you that way for a reason he's given you emotion Jesus wept and I don't believe that was just like a a quick thing like he broke down um and the reason i think that's important is because god cares about all these things that we care about probably so much more than we do and it's important one of the things that i focus on in my writing is i don't believe we can make a change ourselves or as a culture until we care mm -hmm. we have to care about something there's a difference between knowing and being convicted so you have to care and that looks like bawling your eyes out sometimes that looks like getting angry and um, so those emotions are important and that they do help us move forward if we use them in the right way yeah wow there's so many things everyone should see my note sheet after this from what I've been writing down that's just so quotable that's amazing I I really appreciate that so talking a little bit about the people that are necessary in our lives to help us get to where we want to go. You talked a little bit earlier about your amazing husband. You guys are both world changers. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story of how you guys got together, came together and worked through kind of the initial um, spark of you guys deciding that you wanted to do what you did and, and doing that together. Okay. Um, so one of the other great things my mother taught us was to pray for our spouse when we were kids. So 
I, <laughs> my husband was run over by a bus and like had so many different traumatic th things happen in his life. And when I met him, I'm like, you have no idea how many prayers went into you. Um, and they were needed. So I had that. And I was also as a quiet introvert. Um, I was, and I was, a, I was a, you know, collegiate level athlete and that from a modeling family, I was a little intimidating, I guess, in high school. So boys weren't a, weren't really, um, didn't want to approach me. It was a little hard to approach me. College was different though, but I, I had high standards and I didn't, for myself and for um, the person I was gonna marry. So that shut down a lot of doors really quickly, which was good. I didn't need to waste my time. I wasted more time than I wanted to. Yeah. I, I think girls can go through, um, like I did, a season of kissing frogs, mm -hmm. trying to make these, these men into the prince that we want and that we can't do that. So I had to start focusing on me and trying to be the princess I was supposed to be. But so during this whole season of the track, everything ending there, I was injured and my mom um, had Yaku, my husband, as one of her, her actors and models that she represented. And he was coaching my brother. She knew he had a sports medicine degree and he was a professional athlete. So she's like, hey, Philippa, you need to talk to him. And she gives him my number and, and calls. And I'm like, I'm not going to talk to some strange guy. But my mother is, is more pushy and aggressive than I am. And so <laughs> I called him back because I'm the, the firstborn people pleaser naturally. <laughs> but um, we had a 40-minute conversation where I was just bawling. He saw everything that was going on, knew you know, how I was feeling, what I was doing. And he was the first person I recall, I remember asking me, what do you want to do? Like I had never asked myself that. Wow. So I was busy pleasing everybody else, but I didn't even know what I wanted to do, what I was called to. And that really set off the seeking God intentionally with who am I, what am I called to do? Wow. So we met and we, he invited himself over to my house. Um, and the rest really is history. We knew we were gonna get married. And so I'm super thankful. It was that we've been married 12 years now. So, <laughs> so that's kind of what started it. But we, God had a lot of work to do in us, but pretty quickly, you know, I started my transformation of, um, I started going through counseling and started working on myself. and. I think when God puts people together, these close relationships, he really forces you to grow. You can either grow or you can give up, um, especially with people closest to you. They're going to push your buttons, and it's because God wants you to work on those things. Yeah. So we started working on those things for sure, and then Yaku had an encounter um, where he was praying and seeking God for me, and God interrupted his prayer and gave him um, According to Yaku, this is what happens where God said, Philip is not the problem. I've been waiting five minutes for you to slow down, for me to tell you why I created you. Wow. So Yaku is a derivative of Jacob, and Yaku had a wrestle with God kind of night and moment, and that was really what solidified us going into creating content that transforms culture, that brings to light his character. So... We had our <laughs> come to Jesus kind of moments. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> How old were you guys when you guys got together? And what was that process of like having these big dreams and just like, hey, we're, we're this old. What are we doing? Like we come from similar backgrounds or different backgrounds. Like how did you even work through those differences when you guys both have shared with me that you did have a lot that you wanted to work through? We had a lot. Um, my husband is from South Africa. So it's interesting, I used to make dream boards with my mom growing up and I actually had a picture of Africa on there and I always had on my, had a list for things I was looking for in a husband and accent was on there. Like it's really like silly little things that like, God, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but um, he was 31 when we met and I was 20. Mm -hmm. So at the, we had a lot of people saying, you know, I eh, need to wait, all this. And I'm like, I heard from God. And it was probably the most rebellious I would, I had ever been because I was that people pleaser. And, um, but I, I knew I was supposed to marry him and Nyaku did too. And so we got married and my mom was fortunate enough to where she had mentors in her life and prophecies from his family and our family where people randomly would be like, Hey, Philip is about to meet the man she's going to marry and he's going to look like this and he's going to do these things and blah, blah, blah. you're like, okay, <laughs> I think she needed that and, and we needed that. But, um, yeah, I just, yeah, it was probably the most rebellious thing I've, I've done to date was to get married young and that he was older and we had a lot to work through, but it was, it was what I was called to do and supposed to do during that time because I had to, I also had to get out of everything I was going through. I had to relearn. I had to get out of some environments that were not healthy for me mm -hmm. and relearn who I was. Yeah. And I did that with my husband, which was really kind of special um, because he's really always been my biggest supporter and biggest cheerleader. Mm -hmm. The first person that said, what would you like to do? Like, it's like, okay, this is, I needed that. I definitely needed that in that season and that time. Yeah. So that's what's so interesting to me. I think it's so cool. And a lot of um, my clients or even just women online will come up to me and ask what those dynamics look like. Obviously we live in a very feministic culture nowadays where people I think kind of have the, I don't need no man type thing. I can do everything for myself, which I particularly hate <laughs> um, for lack of a better term. Um, I don't love because I think that it diminishes the beauty of the differences of, of who we're called to be as women. However, I understand that that can be as a result of trauma um, of terrible relationships of men treating women horrifically. Um, but also I've met your husband and he is a little bit more of the outgoing, you know, charismatic, like, you know, travels as a speaker all over the country. So when you say that he's your biggest supporter, I think that that is so beautiful because I think it would make people kind of go, Oh, wait, wait, Yaku's the supporter. So talk to us a little bit about how that partnership works, even with you being a little bit more of the introvert how you know each other support and uplift and are there for one another in um in that environment just because i mean even for me navigating you know a relationship and future mm -hmm. marriage those are things that i need wisdom on so I, i'm all ears for that <laughs> well i think we need people um, our culture especially the united states is so individualistic and it's it's good i'm all for personal accountability i you know, I, that's one of my core messages is <laughs> take responsibility for you. But we do need people. God, God made us to be with people. So the right friends, the right partner is very important. And that's what I spend a lot of time praying about, um, both of those things. Mm. So we're very different. And it's interesting because I think because I knew myself, I knew that I would need somebody <laughs> with these characteristics. God showed me an image of, of a puzzle a little while ago, and it was just a puzzle piece. And he was focusing on this puzzle, and he's like, that, that's you. And there's different edges, and there's different colors. But and the, the way you know who you fit with is to know your edges and to know what your piece looks like. And then you can put it into the right place. So that's been really helpful for me is to know who I am so I know where I fit. Mm. And so Yaku and I are very, my husband and I are very intense in different areas. We definitely balance each other out. But I think because I knew what I was missing, like my holes and my curves, I knew what I, what I needed in someone else to mm. balance me out and to encourage me because I could with that introverted tendency and being so sensitive, I could easily um, become a hermit or just never leave my room. That would be a, an easy place for someone like me to fall into. But I needed that 
high energy exhorter wants to be the life of the party meet me with it you know um it's really really cool and i do balance him out because he needs he's had to learn how to chill out a little bit <laughs> like <laughs> we've needed each other in that respect too and those are things god wanted us to grow into yeah. so yeah balance is, it's, it's healthy <laughs> i see so much of myself in the extroverted charismatic life of the party strong independent um and i've been walking through a humbling season over the past six months just navigating um accepting that you need someone is probably the hardest thing in the world for me because i have been through you know a not so good relationship i have walked through bullying in my life i've walked through so many people you wouldn't even know tearing me down for what god created me to shine in and so yeah. um not to take over the conversation for two seconds for everyone listening. But for those of you women who are even just watching or listening right now, I just want people, I could cry because I'm so passionate about this, but I just want people to be, that just wrecks my heart. That like, whether you're sensitive or whether you're strong, like I just think it's such a lie from the enemy that he'd bring distractions and confusion and the wrong people. And I see so many women who just, who stop and who stop trying and who stop believing. And I've been in that place where I was so close to giving up because I'd been torn down for so long for all the things that I actually love about myself, you know? And so I'd love for you to even just speak to, you know, what that looks like and maybe some warning signs of, you know, maybe if that jigsaw puzzle isn't right. And also what that process was like of, you know, the humility that it takes to be like, wow, this is how God wants to use my sensitivity, but also like, I can't be sensitive about everything all the time because then I'm going to become codependent, you know, or whatever that is, or the opposite of like, Hey, I'm independent and God wants to use that because I'm supposed to speak to crowds of 5,000 people, but also I need to learn how to be dependent because there are going to be times when I need to let my guard down and need somebody. So since your guys' marriage is such a beautiful example of how you guys have done that, I'd love for you to just encourage our audience of like some simple warning signs, but also some simple like tips of how people can start to like navigate what maybe they need to buff out of something that mm -hmm. could get to the extreme on this end with just naturally the way that we're wired. It's a great question. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and that's speaking to me so much. Um, I feel very strong that the enemies come to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Mm -hmm. So if you if you are going through a lot of attacks, I absolutely believe it's because you have a strong purpose and calling on your life. Mm -hmm. So like, I kind of had to flip the script a little bit on myself to go, hey, I am important. <laughs> this is why I'm getting so many attacks. Um, so I had to kind of flip the script on myself with being so sensitive and dealing a lot with like, okay, this is actually really important. That's why I'm getting so much attack in that. Um, because it allows me to, like with the trafficking thing, I've been drawn to a lot of, I joke with people, someday I'm gonna write something fun and happy. But so far it's been about um, trafficking and it's been about um, a, massive, a mass school shooting, um, depression, like it's like, <laughs> but, these are issues that are important on God's heart and I have to feel and care about them and it wrecks me. It wrecks me. Uh, but my husband is there to help pull me up and I've had to learn boundaries too. Like, especially when I was pregnant and when I um, started having kids, I couldn't handle as much emotionally. So that was like, okay, being self-aware in that is really important. Um, I think too, if you ask, there's a prayer, Lord, show me what grieves your heart. If there's anything in me that grieves your heart, show me. And he might highlight some different shows you're watching. He might highlight relationships and things you're doing that are grieving his heart. And you might need to set boundaries or talk to that person about, hey, this isn't really healthy for me right now. Can we talk about something else? Can we do something else? Um, be honest with yourself and have that conversation with God. And I think that'll help you, you know, not go too far in the extreme setting up those boundaries and doing it with God. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. Um, 
I, I'm so passionate about, I've become very, very passionate about boundaries because I've actually started to implement them into my own life. Um, and I think that that is one of the greatest travesties in just even American upbringing, but probably everyone's upbringing is that, um, I'd say even in Christian homes, we just don't even really know what that looks like. Of course, it's not a blanket statement, but again, is that really taught, um, is that really taught very often? I don't, I don't think it is, you know, in many circles because it's either sweep it under the rug or it's everything has to be, you know, ugh, like emotional and everything. And then we don't know how to like, you know, guard our heart and our mind and all these things. And so um, I actually just read that in your devotional this morning about learning how to have a heart for what God has a heart for. And mm -hmm. I think that's so beautiful. And I'm just even, God's been bringing people to my mind um, and my spirit, just my more sensitive, emotional friends. And just so you guys know too, how God can grow you. I used to be somebody that was so bullheaded. I'm an Enneagram eight. I'm like thinker, thinker, thinker. I, a year and a half ago, did not think that I like had negative emotions. Like I just stuffed them and I was so black and white about everything that I had no tolerance for emotional people. Like the word sensitive was like a cuss word in my house. Like <laughs> no one is an, as in, like, it was just like, everyone's a thinker. Everyone is just like a get it done kind of person. And I'm thankful for that because we're all super achievers and it's great, but it's just so funny how, you know, God will bring different people in your life. Like you said, to challenge that and to like, kind of, okay, we're going to bring this to the light right now. And you're either going to do something about it, or you can throw, you know, a towel over it again and pretend that there's not a towel on the lampshade, you know, and it's just such a be beautiful, beautiful process of God refining that and it's not always fun but it's so worth it because then you're more self-aware about things that frankly I used to make an idiot out of myself for because I just didn't realize that I was being so brash and so whatever but I've never thought about it in that way of what you're saying of even like utilizing the emotional sensitive part of you because I'm not wired this way to be like, okay, God, what do you want me to be sensitive about? What do you want me to be, you know, praying into? Like, how can I be on my knees in a way where you're, you're, you know, that translation up and down from heaven is like, no, I like, this is a gift. This isn't just something that I need to buff out of my character, but like, I need to go in my prayer closet and like go to war for this thing. So, um, mm -hmm. I, I super appreciate that. I've never, I, I've never thought of it that way. Cause I'm so not wired that way at all. So, wow. That just impacted me greatly. Oh, my husband is actually an eight as well. Um, he swings seven, but yeah, yeah he, he says having conversation with me is like brain exercise because I'm a five swing four, like swing four. So I just constantly research and I feel, but he challenges me and I, I need to be challenged. So that's why we, <laughs> we yeah. yeah, we'll butt heads, but we need each other. That's amazing. Well, yeah, because when we're unhealthy, we become an unhealthy five. And when you guys are unhealthy, you become an unhealthy eight. So my significant other and I are a two and an eight. So that's like healthy. You know, he gets unhealthy, he becomes an eight. But when I get healthy, I become a two. So that's been like very humbling to like realize that like I have that in me even of like, and, and I'm totally like a researcher too. I have 10 books next to me. Yes. I go on a trip and I'm like, I got a suitcase full of books. Even if I never touch them, I just need my books with me. <laughs> like I'm such a freak about it. Um, but there's just, there's so much knowledge. And I think once you learn that knowledge truthfully is power and wisdom is power that, that you can, you know, when your why of why you learn all things is to affect and love on other people. Um, it's mm. just like, how can you not? Because our life is what's it worth if you're just going to like store up all this head knowledge and just keep it to yourself? You know, like, no, there's, there's things going on that we are called to influence and, and change. And it's just when that flip turns on, that switch turns on on the inside of us. And it's so cool to see that happen when people start living, not for themselves, but for others. And it doesn't mean that you have to be this like saint of a, you know, all of a sudden this like reserved, like muted person but truthfully, like your why becomes just so much bigger. And um, I think that's one of the coolest things about successful people. If you were to really interact with them is that their whys are, you know, usually not about themselves at all, especially entrepreneurial people. And that's why I love getting to talk with people like you and, 
you know, you and your husband and Katie, um, who shameless plug hope to have on the podcast soon. So when she listens to this, now you're called out. Um, but you know, and there's can be an instant connection there because, you know, spirit knows spirit. And so, um, I've just been very honored, you know, to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. Um, and my last question for you is, um, if you just had like a word of what you feel like God's talking to you about in terms of what you want to see in 2020 and in times coming, um, for women in just what, you know, as a mother's heart, but also as an activist and as somebody who is just an influencer, like, what do you see as, you know, maybe some of the biggest problems and what do you want to see for women in, in the times coming? Um, it's probably a word that not a lot of people want to hear, but it's something that I've been seeing and hearing a lot. Hmm. Um, I was studying Jesus again in the Gospels, and I got stuck on John the Baptist, and his whole message was about repentance. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know, I'm really hit with that heavy right now because we fight with trafficking, because we, um, and we're learning that trafficking isn't going to go away until we deal with demand and how we're creating man, demand with pornography. We're creating mm. rape culture and normalizing violence and abuse through pornography and how we're defending it. And there's so many things like that. Mm. Um, like we don't even realize the things we've done to ourselves and to each other. And so for me, the word has been pretty heavy about repentance, repent. Um, cause I do believe we're on the cusp of revival too, of a great awakening. And I don't think that's going to happen until we start seeing what we've done to ourselves and to each other. And that starts with repentance. So that's not really a fun word, but I think after that, there is going to be this fire for the Lord and people understanding how they're loved and the power of God again and coming into encounters with God. But it starts with that repentance. And that first looks like seeing what we've done. So that's, I know that's not a fun, happy note to end with, but that's what I've been seeing. And those are kind of some projects we've been working on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so in terms of, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that, by the way. I think just repentance too, it's, it's also because it's about alignment and where there's obedience, then God can command a blessing, you know, in, in unity, because you're coming in unity with the Father. So it doesn't even have to be a bad thing for those of you guys listening or who might be like, oh, you know, whatever. It, it, it's the way to get you to your end result of what God's already spoken to you about anyways, because you can't get there. I so did get there. Like, I, I, this has been heavy on my heart. I'm like, Lord, since, you know, some doors are opening even in my life, I'm like, Lord created me a clean and a pure heart because I don't want to reach the end result and have my character not be ready to handle it. And then my whole life is public and it crashes and burns because I didn't do the work on the inside to, oh, that just, I mean, that should scare you more than anything else. That's so true. I think a lot of us, we have this end goal. We see this big vision, but yeah, we have to get there. And a lot of getting there is you have to work on yourself. Like, are you ready for that? Be honest with yourself because you are exactly right. And that's been on my heart for a while too, is um, I think one of the questions I was talking to you about was, yeah, just it's about dealing with, with yourself on the waiting period. Like that waiting, stop waiting for God. What do you have right now? What has God given you today? What can you do? What's in your hands? And really start working on you. Like if you have this big vision, start, start right now, start where you're at and make sure you're prepared for what he's called. Because if you're not, I think it's going to keep delaying it. He's not going to give you something you're not equipped to handle. So it really does start with, with you and taking that accountability. Absolutely. Yeah, that is so good. I'm so glad you said that. And for those of you guys, um, listening, Philippa and her husband are such an example of this. They prayed for seven years to have a baby and now have three children and God just did a work in them through that. Um, and so you guys can trust her in terms of saying that. And, um, I'm sure that we could talk for 20 minutes, just even about what God did in you guys during that season, um, of waiting. But I think I, I really want to encourage people in that too, because I found that in my own life where I was very much raised of like, 
wait on God, like it's going to happen. And I think what that does is it ties our hands behind our back and also makes us think that our prayer life doesn't work because then we're just like shooting up prayers like fireworks in the sky and then they just go boom. And we don't actually know what that exchange looks like of, of understanding the voice in the heart of the father where it's like, no, like you might not be ready yet. Like let's take personal responsibility and not with any guilt, shame or condemnation, but just like, no, fall in love with the process because the person that you need to be molded into during the process will, will, you know, end in the result that you're looking for. If it truly is a, is a desire that God's put in your heart, but that's just not the wiring that we currently, you know, oftentimes carry. And I don't know if we'll ever like a hundred percent understand that on this side of heaven, but if people can grab a hold of that, I think it helps us take our power back, um, as Christians. And I've been talking about this so often just cause it bothers me. It bothers me to my core of just whamby pamby Christians who don't know their authority. And the reason is not cause I'm mad at them or anything, but because it's just not effective and it's not effective in their own lives. And I hate seeing people go around the mountain again and again and again, dealing with anxiety, fear, depression, bad relationships, you know, these different things that are keeping them from, you know, the blessing of the Lord and the things that God's spoken to, to women about, but they don't know the how of like what they can do to break those cycles. And um, so that's something that I really want to see for women in, in 2020 as well. That's amazing. And so true. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're like, thank you. I'm like, wait, this is a, this is your interview. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, well, thank you so much. You are amazing. And, um, I could literally talk to you all day about this stuff. It is such a pleasure and an honor to be able to speak with another woman of influence. And, um, I'm just so excited for what's, what God's going to continue to do in you and your family's life. And I'll be praying for you guys. I'll be following everything that you do and buying all of your books and you can teach me how to write my first book because God's been tugging at my heart for that forever for a devotional. Okay. So you can hold me accountable now. <laughs> um, but thank you so much. And you are awesome. And um, with that, you guys, everybody listening, we'll see you next week. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of season two of the Powerhouse Podcast. I'm Coach Megan. As always, you can follow me at Megan underscore Swanson. You can DM us to join our email list. You can follow us at Powerhouse Pageantry or at the Powerhouse Project. And I'm so excited to get to continue to pour into your life spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, and relationally. Wow, that's a mouthful. In this beautiful year of 2020, never forget your worth, stand up for what you believe in, and allow your spirit to stand up on the inside of you to show you who you really are. Have a great day.